You are listening to the AI with Maribel Lopez podcast or AI with ML. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining. The AI with ML podcast is produced bi-weekly with occasional bonus episodes. This podcast shares the stories of the people behind the new world of data and AI. What are they creating and why does it matter? If you like this episode, please subscribe so you can easily find the podcast again. You can also share your feedback and ideas with me on Twitter and LinkedIn. All links are in the show notes. Extended show notes can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcasts. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez, and this is AI with ML, uh, not machine learning, but Maribel Lopez. And I am excited to be joined here today by Michelle Donnelly. She is a chief revenue officer at Grok, and it's been pretty exciting in the AI landscape, and there's lots of different aspects, products, components to the market. So I thought it'd be interesting to interview Michelle about some of that. So Michelle, for those that aren't familiar with Grok, what is Grok and what's your mission? Yeah. Hi, Maribel. Thanks for having me join today. I love that it's ML, which is Maribel, not machine learning. Grok is a super exciting company. It was founded in 2016 by Jonathan Ross. He's actually the inventor of the Google Tensor Processing Unit which was designed to run cutting-edge machine learning models with AI services on Google Cloud. So Google, Jonathan left Google to create this new architecture for Grok, and he called it the Tensor Streaming Processor, or TSP. And it provides this massive computing power and efficiency driven by the simplicity of the software-defined architecture, which guarantees low latency at scale. So Maribel, that's like a lot to say, but simply said, you know, Grok is on a mission to drive the cost of compute to zero. And a lot of people will say, you know, what does that mean? Because um, that sounds like a pretty big mission. Sure um, does. Yeah, right. Driving the cost of compute to zero. So there's a couple ways to do this. One is you get more affordable components over time to reduce the cost of compute. Or you increase the performance by so many multipliers that our customers get more value per dollar spent on compute. So this notion, and, and Jonathan always talks about this, uh, it's called Yevon's paradox. It was a term that was created in the 1850s during the Industrial Revolution. And what it means is an increase in efficiency in resource use will generate an increase in the resource consumption rather than a decrease. So to connect the dots there, from a Grok perspective, the cost of the Grok chip, while it's similar to our competitors' costs, we're giving our customers 200x, 600x, 1,000x better performance. So Grok is commercializing this idea of flexible supercomputing by providing 200x plus more value. So every time you make compute cheaper, the customers will buy more. Okay. So there's a few things I want to unpack there. Um, the first, I would say that, yeah, if you look at computing over time, this is fundamentally true. It's like everything else. Your your tasks expand to your time. Your computing tasks expand to your availability of processing power. Um, but having said that, you just gave us some pretty big numbers. And I'm wondering if 
they sounded great numbers as well. And I'm wondering if you can give some examples of what customers are seeing that led you to believe that those numbers are accurate and happening in the marketplace. Yeah, it's a great question. And it's part of the reason that I was drawn to Grok, quite frankly. Um, We've done a lot of work with Argonne National Labs. Um, They publicly announced a 200x better throughput for drug discovery versus their existing GPU-based competitor. So what we were able to do was reduce the time to solution from days to literally minutes. Um, We did another project with Argonne, and it was a nuclear fusion reactor control loop. Um, And it was working on the Grok chip. So they had these really tight deadlines and their use case needed answers in milliseconds. Um, And GPUs just couldn't do it. We did. And we were, in fact, 600% times faster. There's another one, uh, and there's going to be some some news on this one. Uh, It's called Entanglement. It's an ISV partner of ours. They're doing cybersecurity and anomaly detection. And the U.S. Army recently released an incredible validation report confirming that entanglement solution using Grok hardware delivered 700 to 1,000 X speed with higher accuracy and lower false positives. So we're seeing, so in addition to these examples, a trend we're seeing is uh, a lot of customer pull and momentum from high frequency trading firms financial institutions, the federal government, which is really exciting for Grok. And when you think about the government, historically, they're a lot slower to move, but we're really seeing the inverse to be true. And I think part of that is because of all the policies that are being written right now, such as the CHIPS Act, um, which is showing the imperative that America needs to stay competitive at the global level in areas where information processing is truly paramount. You know, one of the things I think is great, we've seen research, government, healthcare, lots of different organizations trying to push the envelope by using these new styles of computing. And, you know, it starts there, but eventually it it rolls into other markets. But I want to spend a minute talking a little bit about you and what attracted you to the company. You know, I know in the past that you um, worked at Salesforce and the CRM, and now you're in HPC and AI with Grok, and that seems to be a pretty big career shift. So what attracted you to the company, and what are some of the similarities between the opportunities? Yeah, I think it's a great question, Um, and it does seem like a big shift to others, but really not to me. Um, I've always been about solving customers' biggest problems. I was at Salesforce for almost a decade where we helped customers engage with their customers in a whole new way, which was really about the digital transformation of their business processes, their culture, and their customer experience. And Salesforce fundamentally changed how brands provided value to their customers by leveraging all these apps in the cloud that integrated the front, front office. So if you think about it, you know, sales, service, commerce, marketing and analytics. Grok is really doing the same thing with HPC and AI. Grok created this ultra powerful tech to solve incredibly difficult problems. We're this software first company and as an integrated accelerator, we serve our customers wherever they wanna be served. We offer deployment optionality, which basically means we meet our customers where their data stands. So it could be on-prem, it could be Colo, it could be being, you know, in the cloud. Um, 
And from my perspective, AI is powering the next wave of transformation innovation. Some call it an AI revolution. And Grok is really front and center, which is why I joined this extraordinary team. Okay, so teams are interesting, right? Because I think at the end of the day, um, teams have a great deal to do with success as well as the management of the team. So what were some of the characteristics or things you were looking for in a team as you went to switch businesses? Yeah, I, you know, um, my first meeting with Jonathan, I think we had a five-hour discussion. And I remember talking to him and thinking, this guy is a genius. I remember getting chills, actually. Um, and as I met more and more of the team, what I came to was this is a team that is full of rock star talent who have always been at the forefront of these world-changing technologies. So I wanted to be a part of that kind of team. I wanted to be a part of innovators. So, you know, you look at Jonathan Ross, developed the TPU at Google. There's this 25-year-old, Thomas Sumners. He's a leading technologist. He basically dropped out of high school as a freshman uh, and got a Peter Thiel Award to work at MIT. He designed his own chip. He started his own company as a teenager. Uh, our, our chief product officer was a part of the early Mars exploration. Um, our chief legal officer and vice president of corporate development was a part of the advent of Wi-Fi. Our board members are extraordinary. One of them came out of retirement to be a part of our board. So I really felt like uh, that I was working alongside of folks who are really at the center of the AI revolution. And that was really exciting for me to be a part of the team. That makes total sense to me. So as um, a woman in tech, one of the things I think that is exciting and challenging is that tech is fascinating because you're surrounded by really bright and interesting people that do things that change the world. Of course, the downside of that is the you know imposter syndrome that you have to go through because everybody's super brainy. <laughs> but I like to think that it's a really nice balance because no matter where you are in your career, you can always learn something from the people that you're with. And one of the things I've discovered is that um, people that are building new and interesting things are always so wonderful about wanting to share why it's important and why they're doing it and bringing you along as part of the process. So so that switch that you made totally makes sense to me. But I want to circle back and talk a little bit about the market again. You know, AI is something we've been talking about for a while, but it's not necessarily easy for organizations to understand what's going on. So in your role, you speak with many organizations. What are some of the challenges related to adopting AI that customers are sharing with you? And you know, is there any way to categorize those? Do they differ dramatically by size of company or industry? Or how do you think about that space? Yeah, I think it's a really great question. Um, our customers are all unique, and they're all trying to figure out how to build their AI strategies. Uh, this is still new for many companies, and they're looking for a partner and thought leader like Grok that can provide simple solutions to really complex problems. And I, from my experience, I don't know that the company size really matters, but the larger the company, the more they can invest in handling these pain points. Some of the common challenges we're hearing from our customers, and, and these are customers large and small, are, are these things. Um, long wait times to spin up supercompute scale jobs. Complex coding needed to scale and adapt big workloads for distributed paradigms. 
really long execution times to run big jobs on on commodity hardware like GPUs and CPUs. Um, And this one comes up a lot, inefficient fleet utilization, which basically means it's really hard to optimally schedule programs whose execution time is unknown. Um, So those are the things that we're finding customers grapple with. And at Grok, we fundamentally believe that simple elastic compute is vital as AI becomes part of core business operations. So Michelle, you're a CRO, and I imagine that AI is such a dynamic market uh, that you see many different shifts in the space. What are some of the trends that you see happening in the market now? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You know, there's about 20 competitors in the space, and there's uh, legacy incumbents as well. And innovators are going to be on the ones that carve the path with determinism and synchronous execution being central to supercomputing. So whether it's a company that provides its lead scientists and researchers access to compute resources via cloud or on-prem, provisioning still proves to be a really big challenge for our customers and their users. So they look at this massive data set and they might uh, book days at a time to run through their data, but they really don't know exactly when it will be done. So as demand increases, waste will become more and more of a concern to the folks paying the bills and scheduling access. Uh, So this is something that we're really looking at. um, And we're looking at ways that we can actually build down to the nanosecond or schedule an in-lab on site or coordinate schedules with little or no waste time. The other thing that we're seeing, and this is a trend that seems to be gathering momentum, um, our customers are, man- are managing a huge amount of data. And data centers tell us because our compute is so blindingly fast that the amount of I.O. needed to take care of that compute is insane. So when you lay on top of that an egress cost as well, it becomes really challenging financially for our customers and can become one of the bottlenecks that we see for co-cloud. And we know that within academic challenges, channels and some walled garden instances, they don't pay high I.O. costs. So customers are asking for these constraints to be eliminated. And we're wondering, you know, which of the major public clouds will liberate the market from these fees? You know, I think that those are great tips that fit both what's happening on the technology side, but also how some business leaders need to think about this transition into AI. Is there anything else business leaders should know? I think if you want to maximize what you can get out of AI, you know, GPUs weren't built for AI. They were built for video games. That means plugins, lots of customer dev work, additional hardware requirements for networks. And they absolutely found their potential, but there's a lot of challenges um, that are needed to meet the increasing demands of AI. So from an integrated accelerator built for AI, Um, that's going to be critical to bring the cost of compute to zero and solve these really complex problems. Um, From our perspective, you know, Grok doesn't need to be a system replacement because we are an integrated accelerator. So when companies look at these end-to-end systems, there will be parts of their workloads that we can accelerate, things like NLP or natural language processing or XTX, linear algebra. Um, And we have the ability to put powerful performance where and when you need it and extend the life of systems. I think those are things that 
we all need to think about what does a system look like moving forward. I often laugh because in this space, it's sort of like an alphabet soup, right? We have uh, GPUs, TPUs, NPUs, TPUs, you know, which is just like all over the place with the different types of processing units. But it only gets better in the sense of what we're allowed to do with that is we get the right tool for the right workload. And at the end of the day, it's a nice little balanced portfolio that allows somebody to have the right mix of cost and processing power and time. And so as a, as a business unit leader, you're probably not thinking about it that way. But when you're talking to the people that are buying technology, there's a big discussion and dialogue about how fast do I need to do what types of things and how might applications and services change if I could have uh, different time analytics uh, around it. So I'm very excited about that. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about is really related to talent. Talent acquisition and retention is a key challenge for any organization. Uh, You've obviously building a very strong team at Gronk. Are there any strategies you can share on attracting talent and building a culture in a flexible work world? Yeah, I think that's an awesome question. You know, if you think about the past decade, uh, the lines between our personal and professional lives have blurred. You know, the world is hyper-connected. You know, we live in this always-on environment. And because of this, you know, people are seeking a more flexible work environment. And at Grok, we're intentionally geo-agnostic, which allows us to attract some of the best talent in the world. And this mindset, we believe, and we've seen it be a competitive advantage And we have leaned into it and it actually attracts talent to us, which has been amazing. I think the other piece of this is that we're super passionate about our people. We celebrate our staff, we stand them up, we put a spotlight on them. You'll see see on our LinkedIn posts that we're always highlighting this amazing talent that we're bringing to Grok. Um, And we do this in a way that's unseen at most startups. So one of our three core um, values is actually talent density. And it's a core focus for us at Grok. The bar to join our team is really high. And because of this, we're able to attract thought leaders, experts, innovators, and people get really excited to work with the best in the business. Absolutely. Talent begets talent. So there, there's that. But I actually think there's been a real big shift in the post-COVID era, era to think more about um, our talent, how we engage with them, how do we create different work environments. So I have a whole other podcast on that called Reimagine Hybrid Work. So uh, if anybody's interested in that topic, we can uh, send you over there. But it's time for the bonus question. I'm wondering if there's a book, a podcast, an activity or a place you'd like to recommend to the audience and why. And it doesn't have to be tech related. So I will share a book I'm reading. Uh, Jonathan, our CEO, uh, reads, he claims, like two to three books a weekend. And he read this book called Turn the Ship Around by David Marquette. Um, It's actually a true story of Marquette. He was a decorated naval officer, and he took control of this nuclear-powered submarine called the Santa Fe. And his leadership style was more of a leader-follower style, and it was met with really poor morale and poor results. And he already joined this team that was really not doing very well at all. Um, And so his initial reaction was, I'm just going to drive the team harder. And if I drive harder and harder and harder, I'm going to get better results. And it didn't work. Things got worse. 
And so he changed the paradigm by activating people and empowering others with intentional leadership, which is more about this leader-leader style and delivered incredible results. Um, And he did that by giving control, improving competency, and providing clarity. And one of my old bosses, her favorite saying was, clarity is kindness. And I totally believe in that. Clarity and focus is sort of my motto. And what was interesting about this book was that within a year, which really is not that that long of a time frame, uh, the Santa Fe became one of the best submarines in the fleet. That's amazing. And I, I love where you're going with this. Simon Sinek um, was on a TED Talk, I believe, in May of 2022. And he spoke quite a bit about leadership and what it means to be a leader. And leadership isn't a title. It's it's more it's more than a title. You can be a leader, but not you can have a leadership title, but not be a good leader. You could not have a leadership title and be a phenomenal leader. So it's all about how you approach that. So that's something that you can look at at the TED Talk. I'm going to check out this book. I think that's great. And Michelle, any final closing words? No, it's great to be a part of your podcast. And thank you so much for having us today. It was thrilled to have you. And I look forward to seeing what Grok creates next. This has been the AI with Maribel Lopez podcast. Looking forward to talking to you soon. Thank you for listening. Show notes, subscription links, and additional content can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcast. Until next time, wishing you all the best. 